people taught you your hustle. It's not something you picked out of like a, a lineup or like an Instagram mm. feed. Somebody taught me the art of robbery. I know people who used to do checks and they were taught how to write checks. I know people who used to steal meat from stores and resell it. They were taught how to be shoplifters, boosters. Every art, every game, drug dealing, heroin dealers were different than weed dealers were different than coke dealers. Absolutely, because your clientele is different. Understanding the product, understanding the sales, understanding the time, everything was different. Mm. And you, everybody in the game, up until like the mid-80s, was taught by somebody. Wow. I can tell you the exact person who taught me how to do stick-ups. How to do stick-ups. It wasn't just you just running, hey, give me the money. They taught me how to do stick-ups. Dre, there's actually some steps to it. There's steps to it. Let me, let me ask you a question. Yeah, I'm, I'm making light of it, but it's serious. How important is the announcement? Is there an announcement? This is a right. No, that's if you're going to the bank. <laughs> that's the bank. Too much Hollywood. Welcome to another episode, man, the Instincts Podcast. I cannot believe it. Set short notice, but he came through for me, and I appreciate Dre Norman is in the building. Prison to millions. I'm excited to have you, man. Appreciate it. I really am. Here. I'm really honored, man. I really am. You have no idea. Um, how excited I am for people to hear your story, if they haven't already, for them to understand what it means to go from prison to millions. Now, the name may say it alone, but my first question for everybody, what's the most challenging thing in life you've had to overcome? And then more importantly, how'd you overcome it? Most people think the most challenging thing I had to overcome was prison. Okay. And it was a challenge. The most challenging part for me in life was family trauma. Mm. Um, I grew up in a large family, grew up in the city, uh, watched my mom go through domestic violence. I watched close siblings go through substance abuse, mm. uh, mental health issues. Um, there's a lot of stuff that happened in our family that I would think it was just us. But it was really hard wow. to go through that life. And then while I was in prison, the toughest part about being in prison wasn't the penitentiary. It's watching my family suffer. Oh, wow. So I got relatives, again, fighting drug addiction. I got relatives fighting mental health issues. I got relatives fighting eviction and poverty. Mm. And at the time I went to jail, I was a kid. Mm. Now, as I'm becoming a man and growing and realizing I'm responsible mm. for them and their assistance in, in their life, and I'm not there. Gotcha. So I got nieces and nephews. I'm not their uncle. I'm the pitcher on the, on the refrigerator. Mm. So I'm not there as my nieces and nephews are being born. I'm not the cool uncle to take them to the mall or to buy a pair of sneakers or do something that dad won't do. I'm just gone. They don't even know I exist. So, Dre, how were you one of the first individuals? And the cycle, I'm sure, is still continuing, but you were obviously one of the first individuals to step out and start breaking that cycle. How did you, at what point did you start to break the cycle of Trump family trauma? Cycle? The family trauma cycle being broken started when I was inside and I decided I had to better myself. Okay. So to help them, I had to build a better me. Makes I sense. can't help anybody if I'm codependent, if I'm broken. Mm. So I had to tell the truth about who I was. Mm. And my family will never exceed my expectations of life. So I have low expectations of life, then I can expect them to have none bigger. Ooh. So I had to rise my expectation of what I wanted out of my life and try to elevate them with me. So what kind of, Dre, why do you think Whew. When people say generational curses, help me understand how the grandfather, and, and it sounds simple, but the grandfather or grandmother can pass it to the son or daughter who pass it to their children. Help me understand why our community, in your opinion, is so plagued with generational curses and trauma. 
we're played with gener- generational curses and trauma because we want to confront it. Mm. It's so easy to walk away from or to not acknowledge, and that which you don't acknowledge becomes stronger. Gotcha. It doesn't diminish, it doesn't fade away. In my family, I am the first, or one of, in my generation, my brother first, I am the first son born in the hospital. Really? My father was born at home. My grandfather was born at home. My great-grandfather was born at home. Blacks weren't allowed to be born in the hospital. When my, grandfather, when my father was born, or my grandfather was mm-hmm. born, it was mandatory that you born, make, that's why you have low, mortar, low mortality deaths. Absolutely. Or high mortality deaths, because we were born at home. At least with a midwife, but they didn't. Yeah, I mean, home, but that's, if you can afford got one, got one, handle it. If you can't afford a midwife, maybe your cousin can do it. Really? But I'm the first generation to be born in a hospital. Mm. So my father's issues and my grandfather's issues are my issues. Gotcha. They look at me and it's like, well, how do you explain that? People mm. don't, we think that we're in this whole new millennium because we have access to move about. Mm. I'm saying, but access isn't real access if you don't understand when you're moving. Powerful, man. Oh, well, my cars. Hold on. Hold on. I love it, man. So, say that last thing again. Access, powerful. Access isn't access if you don't understand where you're moving. You're mm. just a visitor. Gotcha. So it's like walking through a mall or you go to a prince's house. You don't own that. Mm. You just, you paid 50 bucks, you can walk through, you can take a picture for the gram, but what is it really doing for what you? What is it doing for you? And, and I want to talk about Instagram too, but basically you're saying it continues because we're ashamed to confront it. Are we embarrassed by it? Are we, we don't know how to confront it? Do we even know that it exists? Why do you think our community is afraid to confront it? Why won't we talk about it? You need to help this. To help this scenario and to help this situation, you need professional help. Mm, this go. is not something you can go to your auntie or your favorite cousin <laughs> about. Picks, yeah. You have been tormented and traumatized generationally. Makes sense. And you need help for that. If I was to get shot right now, being a good friend as you are, you can't fix that. Absolutely. You're going to take me to the hospital. Why? I got a professional injury. Mm. I need professional care. Mm. 400 years of trauma is professional. You need professional help to handle professional trauma. So it's not to blame anybody. Mm. How I got shot is not the doctor's problem. Mm. That I got shot is a doctor's problem. Mm. So stop trying to do home care, home remedies for, 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 something. for something that home remedies won't fix. Makes sense. Man, that's deep, Dre. You know, I heard you one day say, I heard you say you had three pictures on the gram and People really didn't, because this, you brought up Instagram, and it's amazing to me how this generation judges us so much by likes and follows and shares and comments and don't really understand how much you, you've actually accomplished. Why do you think, what do you think this current generation, you one of the OGs in the game, what is it that this current generation is lacking other than the superficiality of social media and those things that a person like you can impart in them right now? What should the young generation know from an OG? They don't engage. Hmm. When they see the car, they want to take a picture with it. When Will Smith saw the car in pursuit of happiness, he wanted to know how to get it. How to get it. They don't want to get it. They just want to picture with it. <laughs> and that picture with it is enough. That's They're crazy. settling for so much less than their, their capacity and capability. Mm. So they'll go to an event. They'll go to a place. It's more important to get the picture of it for the gram or for the book or for whatever 
then they'll actually find out the thinking behind it. How to get it. How, How to you accomplish it. it. How can I get one? Yeah. Can you, you need a prototype. Will Smith said in the movie, that's a really nice car. What do you do? Then he went and studied and became that. That's Absolutely. real life. Absolutely. A youngin' in 2022 would have seen the car and been on the front hood of it taking a picture or faking like he's getting out of it. Mm. And that would have been enough for him. Enough. That's right. So Will Smith or um, Eric Gardner. Eric Gardner. Eric Gardner. Mm-hmm. In 20... Um, no, uh, Robert. Robert Gardner. The brother had... Chris he... Gardner. Chris Gardner. And I actually know him. <laughs> you, know, you know Chris Gardner? Yeah, no. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, I'm sure you do. Chris Gardner. So the baseline is 2022 person is trying to get a picture with the car. My generation, we're trying to figure out how to own that car. So, we, we got to walk the story back. We got to walk the story back. You said when you were in. For those that don't know, how much time did you do? Why did you do it? And what was the turning point? That's a three, that's a three hit or quitter. I was given 100 years. Wow. Why did I used to do robberies? I robbed drug dealers. And while I was inside, I was charged and convicted of crimes inside. Assaults. Oh, so you got more time. I got more time. I got 10 years added to my sentence for crimes in prison. So was that 110 years? It it took it to 105. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, obviously you're here, so we got to talk about that. So So, used to rob drug dealers. Let me just ask you, is it because they can't report the crime? No, they had money. (laughs) They told on me. (laughs) Okay. They had money. They report too. Okay. I mean... You can rob an old lady, you can rob the corner store, you can rob some drug dealers got money. I love it. That's why I didn't know the reason than that. So you, you just, it was just a business approach. If you're in the street to get money, whatever your hustle is, it is. It is. So my hustle, and this is the thing, back where I came up, people taught you your hustle. It's not something you picked out of like a, a lineup or like an Instagram mm. feed. Somebody taught me the art of robbery. I know people who used to do checks, and they were taught how to write checks. I know people who used to steal meat from stores and resell it. They were taught how to be shoplifters, boosters. Every art, every game, drug dealing, heroin dealers were different than weed dealers were different than coke dealers. Absolutely, because your clientele is different. Understanding the product, understanding the sales, understanding the time, everything was different. Mm. And you, everybody in the game up until like the mid-'80s was taught by somebody. Wow. I can tell you the exact person who taught me how to do stick-ups. How to do stick-ups. It wasn't just you just running, hey, give me the money. They taught me how to do stick-ups. Dre, there's actually some steps to it. There's steps to it. Let me ask, let me ask you a question. Yeah, I'm, I'm making light of it, but it's serious. How important is the announcement? Is there an announcement? This is a right. Well, that's if you're going to the bank. <laughs> That's the bank. Too much Hollywood. That's Hollywood. Wait, wait, what's the step, Dre? Give me two steps to a robbery. Not that two, I'm teaching it. I'm just saying. <laughs> two steps to a robbery. Is A, know your getaway. Makes sense. Step one, know how you're getting out of there. That's right. And what I should have known, but I didn't know, be clear who you're taking with you. Ah, it's always the person with you that may not know the rules of the game. I had, Is that how you got caught? That's how I got caught. I took some people who were from a different genre of crime. They were drug dealers. I took them with me to do They didn't understand none of the moving pieces. Makes sense. So, okay, so I'm assuming you got away with it for quite some time. How did these guys get you jammed up? Was it because they no, told? They, they just, no, they just moved bad. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I mean, I'm not even into, I mean, people telling that's just 2022 is how mm-hmm. life goes. Mm-hmm. I'm not tripping. I went to jail because I made bad decisions. Mm. Mm. I got more time in jail because I made more bad decisions. Once in. Once in. Mm. I'm sitting here now because I learned how to make good decisions. There's nobody responsible for my decision making. 
accountability. So you can only, I had a dude went and said some stuff about me one time. And the truth, the, so I went to the OG. He asked me, did, did he tell the truth? Hmm. I was focused on, he wasn't supposed to be saying my business. Anything. The OG said, did he tell the truth? He said, you need to clean up your life and that'll eliminate him. The way you eliminate snitching is you clean up your life. Instead of trying to follow the rules of the game. No, I mean, change the, the rules no, no, of the game. The rules of the games have changed to what they are now. Mm. If you want to eliminate snitching, clean up your life and stop doing stuff people can snitch on. Mm. Go tell somebody, I did a seminar yesterday. Go tell somebody, I did a podcast today. Mm. Go tell somebody, I'm going to help some kids get into school next week. Mm. Go tell on that. <laughs> right, right, that, right, that's right. All, that's all you can tell me on about that. is what I'm doing. <laughs> you can only tell about what I'm doing. Right. Now, if I choose to live in a sense in a space where telling on me comes with a sentence, then that's what I mean. So, yeah. so, so what was that pivotal moment, Dre? Now you're doing seminars. You're doing the, the Instincts podcast. What was that? We all have a little tipping point where we went from crime to legit. Was it, was it a long tip? Did you have a moment or did it take a while to evolve? I, I, my mom came to see me. I was in solitary confinement for two and a half years. Wow. And when she came to see me, she said, how did you get in jail in jail? <laughs> And I was like, Mom, I'm working hard. Jail's not easy. I'm working hard. The the words of a mother, man. How you get locked up while you locked up? How you get locked up while you locked up? (laughs) And I was like, Mom, I'm going hard in this space. (laughs) And we had a conversation. And it was like, she's talking about, where's the little trumpet boy I know? Where's the little dance? I used to break dance back in the 80s. I was on originals. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to my boys from Lower East Side. I'm saying float wherever you are. I love you. They taught me how to get it in. And she's like, where's my little Andre? Mm. I'm like, my thinking is my father was a hustler. My stepfather was a bank robber. What is the problem? You should, you should understand this life. But she didn't want that life for me. But there's what you do in front of people and there's what you want them to be. Mm. I, my stepdad was a bank robber. My father was kind of like a drug dealer. I became somebody who robbed drug dealers. Wow. And my mom didn't want that life for me. But that's what you put around me. Mm. And sometimes just living in a certain neighborhood is just around you by default, if your mom wants you to or not. Mm. So it's finding that thing in me that says, I'm going to follow this path. There's so many people from our neighborhoods that don't go to jail. There's so many people from our neighborhoods who are going to be successful. And they're all not athletes or entertainers. But we focus on the hype of the ones that make the news. Well, man, we got, we got to get into what you're doing now. Let me ask you this. Why do you think our community, why do we glorify? Why does the gangster get the movie? What's the big picture here, Jay? What, what are we missing? Why do we glorify the gangster, the drug dealer, the athlete, the entertainer only? What is the system doing or what are we doing to ourselves where that's all we think we can be? Why does the gangster get the documentary? And then we, 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 we see that he did end up doing 20 years, 30 years, but we still glorify how he got in there and think that that's not going to be us. It's, it's not that he gets a documentary. We're not watching the documentary about the other stuff. Hollywood's going to put out what we watch. So we can blame Hollywood. Oh, they're putting that up, blah, blah, blah. No. They made Pursuit of Happiness. They made Man of Honor. That's right. I'm saying they made... I'm saying, what's the woman's um, joint with, they, they, with the astronauts? The, the numbers. The numbers. Uh, num- they need numbers. Uh, um, hidden figures. Hidden figures. Hidden figures, yeah. They do these They movies. do these numbers, yeah. Do we support them? Do we support them? Do we support them? Are we, are we going for the next gangster flick? Are we supporting positivity? So it's not just 
when I was a kid, my mother taught me about Kwanzaa. We used to do the log. You know what I'm saying? I'm real talk. <laughs> she made me take African drum lessons. And there was some culture there. Culture was neighborhood focused. With the advent of movement, because when we were kids, we had to live in what we called a black neighborhood. You couldn't go certain neighborhoods. So the doctor, the musician, the, everybody lived in the neighborhood. You had access to mm. people who were doing and, and doing other things that were inspirational or noteworthy. The gotcha. principal lived down the street from you. Now all the pastor lived across the street from you. Absolutely. Now all those people live out in the suburbs and they commuted church. Mm. And they, they commute in for stuff, but they don't live near us. In the neighborhood. So my kids don't see this. When I first started speaking, I lived in the hood. And I'd come out. They said the black cars used to come pick me up. So I'd go outside, black limousine, car, pick me up. And I'd get in. Kids and they'd be like, oh, man. And I'd get in my car, go off, and I would come back. I would get out the car and talk to the kids. Like, where'd you go this time, Mr. Norman? Where'd you go this time? And I'd tell them, I went to Germany. I went to London. I was in California. And they saw somebody successful who they could see. And they cut my grass. And they cleaned up in front of my house. And they had that example. When I was a kid, his name was Mr. Jefferson. Hmm. He used to open a gym up for us. He used to make us clean the street. He used to throw street fairs. Hmm. You take all the people with money and influence and time away, and you leave the people without that, and they're going to suffer. What you basically saying, man, mom had you, in, mom had you playing instruments or trying to get into the arts, Kwanzaa had you cultured, but that uncle and stepfather, the environment actually is more powerful than the upbringing. Mom can only do so much. So much, yeah. Mom, my mom had six kids, hmm. and she's doing all that she can do. And for all the moms out there with six kids or five kids or whatever amount of kids you got, you got to ask for help. Hmm. My mom had super pride. She wouldn't take welfare. She, she just tried to do it. She tried to do it on the muscle. And you can't raise six kids on the muscle. Gotcha. Something's going to drop. It's no, all intent. I am my mother reborn. If you met me, you met my mom. <laughs> Same personality <laughs> down to the dimples. And she just couldn't do six kids on her own. Hmm. Makes sense. I hear the accent, man. Up north, Boston. Boston, Boston, Boston Massachusetts. Born and bred. Born in Boston City Hospital. Boston Public Schools. I heard you took the gang culture and you took it to corporate America. Talk about that real oh. quick. What, how, did, how did you take the gang culture? Because the, the, the title is, the, your moniker is Prison to Millions. How I'm going to have to change that. Billions. No, no, I'm going to have to change that. <laughs> okay, what is it? What you, go, what you going through? I'm doing a seminar in May. The people who's going to be in the room, 230 companies, they control $21 trillion. Prison they hired me to come in and help them figure out some stuff. So I'm going $21 trillion, I'm on stage in May. Come on, Dre. Don't, <laughs> oh, man, now, okay. <laughs> let me, so let change. me change your caption. <laughs> Lower thirds, prison to trillion. But what happens is like that, they won't believe it. Yeah. They won't believe it. Yeah. Because I'm black, because I've been to prison, because I'm wearing a sweatsuit, he can't be in that room. Because they see themselves as not worthy enough to be in that room so they can't see me as worthy enough to be in that room. So set this up again. 230-some corporations. 230. At one conference. At one, one, it's an association. Okay. They're all in this association together. And they give away $23 billion a year to help different causes. I'm saying save the whales, mm -hmm. health, mm -hmm. cancer, mm -hmm. global warming, everything. Is this the Genius Network? No. Genius Network is not $21 trillion. Okay, okay. I'm in that one, too. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Shout out to Joe Polish. Joe Polish. Joe that, Polish that, is serious. Yeah. That's my brother. We Joe Polish. I love, started off as a carpenter. 
Oh, not a, a carpet cleaner. Yeah. Carpet cleaner, man. Doing with the knee pads, putting the carpet. That's yeah. dope, man. The I way he's the mastermind he's put together now is crazy. Yeah, he has the number one mastermind on the planet. When I got to connect to Joe, and we became fam. That's fam. Mm. And at his house, when he just had his comeback after his sabbatical, he took a year off. He came back. He said, of all the people Joe Polish knows, mm. you go from presidents to Tony Robbins, prime ministers, every vein and main that you can think of. He called me and said, Dre, you're bringing me out on stage. Come on, man. So at the last Genius Network, welcome back, Joe. I was the first thing you saw. And I came out, did a 20-minute piece, and brought Joe Polish to the stage. Dope, man. Dope. And when I, I went to a, I hate to say this, I went to a black mastermind. Now, mind you, Genius is 25 or 100 grand to be in. Just to be a... War Room, 25. Maverick, tw- I, I'm, in, I'm invited to all the masterminds, 21 trillion. All of them. My man called me and said, Dre, we got a black mastermind, come through. I think it was like $300. This is the first time I paid to be in the room. <laughs> with the brother. I paid to be in the room with black people. Everybody else pays me to be in the, be in the room. room. But I came, paid, got in there, and we're sitting there. They kept saying, well, what do you do? I said, I'm office manager. And I, like four or five times, somebody said, well, I heard you say that. Where are you office manager at? I said, Genius Network. Whole room stopped. You can't be. You're black. You got a hoodie on. You wearing Timbs. You can't be with Joe Polish because it's impossible. Hmm. So now I just went from the dude with the Timbs on to a liar. So the whole room, I got a whole room full of black people. I'm a liar now. Now nah. it, it's running around rampant. I can see the looks. They're looking at me like he's a liar. <laughs> we go downstairs into the next session. I said, Do y'all mind if I go next? Because everybody's sharing. So I pop in a video. There's a dude named Jason Flagman. He just did sixty million dollars in six months. Whew. He's a $100 million webinar guy. Number one webinar guy on the planet. That's my little brother. Okay. His kids call me uncle. I pop up. He made a video. Hey, name your name of the group. Dre just called me. Sadie's here with you. That's my guy. Anything I can do to be helpful, let me know. Real time. Not no three-week-old stuff. Then the next video, Joe Polish comes on. He says, I was climbing a mountain. But Dre called me, and I stopped. Mm. Shouted out their group. Said, you got my guy, good luck, anything I can do to be supportive to my brothers that I'm at, no problem. Now I went from being a liar to being, a, a, I think I'm better than everybody. <laughs> you can't win? You can't win? Man, it went through, he's trying to take over. Dude, I'm an invited guest. I said, anything I can do to be helpful, I just want to be helpful. That's right. Man, listen, man, I go in the room, rooms, mm. globally, with no problem. We're in a room full of 40 black entrepreneurs, and I'm dead, they got to fight to get a body. You know what's funny, man? I'm going to say this real quick, and it's, it's sad. What you're saying is so true, it's so sad. I'm going to tell you something, man. When I saw you the second time, shout out to Dave Shans, at the Podcast Mastermind. Okay. But I, you know what I loved about it, man? Honestly, to be who you are, you were there helping facilitate, like anything you could do to help. And I peeped that. You were helping. You were helping with the, the the sheets. You were helping to make sure everybody had a folder. You were greeting people when they came in. And it's just it's just proof, man, that no matter how successful a person is, humility. I clean the, the table. Yeah. These people paid to be here. Yeah, I say Dave's my friend. Absolutely. I'm cleaning trash off the table. Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. Why, if I'm supporting Dave and he got people sitting here and his trash on the table, that's not a that's not what he wants. Right. So why am I going, I'm, man? I'm and listen. not look at it. Why are we gonna look at it and not man, help? You ain't, listen, man. Your people are busy. Let me get, I got that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I got that. I loved it, man. And I loved the dude it. he had, Paul Colligan, who's one of the top podcasters on the planet, he met through me. Oh, wow. That's my dude. Yeah, absolutely. I loved it, man. I loved it. Because I, I don't say a lot, and, and I like to kind of play the back, 
but I watched it and I was like, man, Dre, solid, man, humble. And I didn't know, I don't know you very well, but I know enough to know that a person that's been through what you've been through and had these philosophies that you have, man, is, is somebody that I support. Do you serve only when the cameras are on? Absolutely. Do you serve when you think there's, a, I level up because I'm helping my friend. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's it. I'm, here. I'm here to help my friend. I didn't come it's simple. to do a podcast. I came to help my friend. Well, let me ask you this, man. Break down real quick the zero fifty hundred strategy. The 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 uh, and how you went from people not believing at all to Harvard to break down that quick. People strategy, still don't believe the philosophy of <laughs> people still don't believe. No, no, it's all right. People still don't believe, and this is the thing. I don't care if they believe. They don't have to. No, son. My son called me yesterday when I was riding. He's like, "Yo, pop, I need to rent a studio. Ba ba ba. How much? Boom, done." My son called me. I want to go skiing in Switzerland. Shout out, my son was skiing in Switzerland. Mm. Hey, Pop, I need X, I need Y, I need Z. He gets it. That's right. I don't care. He's, How old is he? He's 16. 16, nice. You know what I'm saying? He skis, he's rugby, snowboards, music. You know what I'm saying? So my son comes to New York, put him in a room with Jada kids. I'm going to put him in with real producers because mm. mm. I'm leveraging my resources for my son. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? So I call my people. Yo, my son's coming. He'll be in the room two weeks with the top DJs and people in New York two weeks. I just got a call. Camilla Harris, Rick Ross, um, Dave Chappelle, all these people are doing this event. I'm oh, Dre, you're a headliner. I'm Dope. the headliner. Yes. Vice President Dave Chappelle on it. I'm the headliner. Dope. Because connections. It's, it's who you know it's and how, you know. what they think of you. Right. Right. It's and not who you know. It's who know you. I didn't put that on the gram that I'm headlining this event. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I didn't put on the gram. I was at an event yesterday. $40 million. My man got a $40 million coaching program right here in Atlanta. Dre, you got to come through. Mm-hmm. So I came through served. He says, know something? We got the Mercedes-Benz Dome in November. You're opening it up. Wow. 10,000 people at the Mercedes-Benz Dome, I'm opening. <laughs> I'm not on, hey, yo, I'm going to be at the Mercedes-Benz Dome. Right. It's just day in the life. Right. It's a, so can I get the philosophy? The philosophy. Zero, fifty, hundred percent. <laughs> Why are you laughing, Dre? You, if you didn't think I studied you, no, or you surprised I'm asking no, no, you, I'm or trying, you don't know what to do. No, no, I, no I, I'm trying to remember how if we can do it without paper. <laughs> okay, so you basically said uh, uh, people who, who people who believe there are a lot of people who don't believe. That's that's what got you on that just now. That you have zero opportunity to make it into Harvard. Right. Got you. So I just need to remind. Yeah. I teach so much stuff. I'm like, yeah. How does that work? All, all your zeros. All your zeros ended up being hundred. They were hundred yeah. percent no, wrong. No, no, no. I say you, if there's a, go to Harvard. Zero mm-hmm. percent chance. That's right. I'm saying, and the zero office manager, is fifty. There's a hundred percent. There you go. So what do you bet on your dream? I'm saying if it's if I say it's a zero percent chance, you can get into Harvard. I mean, I'm, I'm doing it backwards. Mm-hmm. Start over. Ask me the question. Okay, so you got it. You have this philosophy. Ask me the question. Okay, explain the zero, fifty, hundred percent chance when people get you zero percent chance to do things like go to Harvard. Okay, the zero, fifty, hundred percent option. If I put a thousand dollars up okay. and said, "Here you go, you get one chip. You can put it on the hundred percent, the fifty percent, or the zero percent." Okay, which do you put it on? Now, if you put it on, I'm saying you put it on the one you think you want to bet on. Right. And everybody chooses 100. percent They want to take the guaranteed short thing, and they put all their chips, 99.99 percent of chips on 100. percent Right. And a couple people go 50. percent Nobody will go 0. <laughs> percent right. So I say, if you have to do nothing to earn it, what is it worth? 
if you have to do nothing to comprehend it, how much do you know? So when you put 100% on something, it's all being done for you. Mm. And anybody who goes to done-for-you seminars, done-for-you, done-for-you, it costs 10 times more and you make 10 times less. Mm. And you actually know nothing about what you're doing. Right. So you have no expectations of greatness. Elon Musk said there was a 0% chance he'd become a billionaire doing his thing. Electronic cars. Electronic cars. And everything else he He bet on 0%. (laughs) Steve Jobs said, I'm going to create this thing that doesn't exist. I'm going to take music. Don't even think of it. He took music and sold it for a dollar. A song. Before Steve Jobs, it was an album. Steve said, a song. Stream. Changed the whole world. Streaming. 0%. 0% chance. All the billionaires in this country and around this world came out on a 0%. Uber, 0%. Nobody bet on Uber. Absolutely. Nobody bet on Bitcoin. Absolutely. How, how let's, go back, come along let's go and back. Change let's go back 10 years. Dudes, we heard about it. Yeah. Yo, it was, I heard about it. It was like $900. <laughs> and they was having seminars in Buckhead with all the black people talking about Bitcoin, crypto. And there was a 0% chance it was going to hit $50,000. Everybody bet. You say it took the short bets. You're right, of course. They got it for 300 sold it for five. <laughs> Smart people bought it for three hundred. Now they're sitting on acres like you are. Absolutely, that's nuts. so. I mean, I love the zero percent philosophy. People man. say when I said I was going to go to Harvard, I'm in the penitentiary. I'm black. I'm illiterate, and I'm violent. They said you can't do it. Nobody would bet on me. Mm. I don't need the masses to bet on me. I bet on me. Absolutely. And I looked in the mirror and I said, "What's inside of me that's stopping this dream from happening?" Not what's inside of the world, not what the gods are saying, not what folks are. What's inside of Andre Norman stopping this from happening? Mm. Elon Musk looked in the mirror one day and said, what's inside of me? Richard Branson looked in the mirror one day. Joe Polish looked in the mirror one day. Mm-hmm. Oprah mm-hmm. Winfrey looked in the mirror one day. Dave Shams with the Cheesecake Factory looked in the mirror one day. That's right. I looked in the mirror one day and said, what's inside of me that's stopping this from happening? I'm not looking for done for you. Mm. Only thing I need done for me is my funeral. Whew. So, <laughs> I'm out of, I'm out of, I'm running out of cars to throw. So, so let me ask you this as I, as I wrap up. Let me ask you this as I wrap up. Foreign countries actually bring you in to settle some unrest, right? Yes. How did you gain the trust of foreign countries who have, I'm sure they have a lot of, Mentors in the country that can do it, but they bring Big Dre in. How, how did you get to that level where you go in and handle the penitentiary uh, beefs or set up curriculums and things to quell different circumstances, even overseas? How did, how did that happen? I've worked in over 25 countries. I've worked around the world. I've worked throughout the United States. I can because I believe. Hmm. It's not when somebody else validates me. It's when I validated me. I became qualified when I believed. Mm. Then I got the training to go back up my qualifications. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So I've been trained and studied in the spaces that I am. There are people who might be greater in different spaces, but my space, I rule. Period. So when I go places, I'm saying people call me based on relationships. It's that simple. Mm. People trust you, they call you. You call people you trust and people you believe and get it done. If you need something done, this is how rich people move. Let's just take Bill Gates. Because he's the richest person we can think of. Mm-hmm. If his daughter needed back surgery, what is he going to get? He's going to pick up the phone, call his network, and say, who's the best back surgeon? Absolutely. If Bill Gates needed a tree cut down, 
He's going to pick up the phone, call in his network and say, who's the best tree cutter? And that's how that works. Hmm. In those spaces of the most important or richest or biggest business people on the planet, I'm in that space. Hmm. So when they pick up the phone and they call, I guarantee you, if Bill Gates wanted to do work in prison, when he picks up the phone and calls five people, one of those five people going to give him my name. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's and they're going to say, man. Dre's going to get it done. That's incredible. And the, the, the thing is, you have to specialize in that one thing mm. and crush it. I, I will go toe-to-toe with anybody. There's no hate. There's no competition. I've been home for 22 years. Mm. And I'll back that up to 1980. You bring anybody who's got the penitentiary since 1980 and sit them here next to me, <laughs> and my resume will drown them. Amazing, man. My, they might be better at me at this or better. My resume... I'll put against any of the 20 million people who've walked out of the penitentiary in the last 40 years. You know why? Because my intent was to be the best. Dre, how, how important is it to... Why don't more people understand the power of a nonprofit? Like, I think you're helping so Because they don't understand business. Yeah. They don't and understand I, regular business. They can't understand nonprofit. It's business. A nonprofit is just a designation from the IRS on your business. Mm-hmm. C-Corp, mm-hmm. S-Corp, nonprofit, 501, it's all the same. It's a business. That's just a recognition from the federal government. Absolutely. And when the federal government gives you that designation, that's just a tax thing. It's not a business thing. So your taxes flow differently, not the business flow differently. Right. The Red Cross is a nonprofit. Most churches are nonprofits. Most colleges are nonprofits. So nonprofits are just an entity that the IRS recognizes. Mm. So just because you're at a nonprofit doesn't make you a business. Absolutely. How many people I've seen, oh, I'm going to start this nonprofit. I got this great cause. They're just going to give me money. No, don't, it don't work like that. Never. No. I've raised... I did $25 million in nonprofit funding my first four years home from prison. We've generated over $250 million in that eight-year span wow. from nonprofits. But the thing is, what have I created in 2000, the thing they call violence interrupters now. Hmm. I created that. We, I was part of the team that created the faith-based office that George Bush, president, bought in 2000. Wow. You know what I'm saying? I created a thing called Proven Risk Youth which is a designation for kids who are in gangs who carry guns who weren't getting funded. Mm. So I come to the table, and what have you created? Not, are you cool? Are you a great speaker? What have you created that's tangible that can actually level up for other people? Absolutely. And who are you? And, oh, this dude's going to be on there. See, these guys who, and girls who watch this who are competitive. I'm not competitive. Mm-hmm. If you compete with me, you're going to lose because I'm not running a race. <laughs> you're going to get to the line by yourself. <laughs> I'm, I'm competing with the, I'm comp- you compete with yourself to make sure you get better every yeah, day. Yeah. Not you the are, next man. Oh, man. He said he's the best. This. He, oh, I'm going to show him. Show me what? Right. Dude, show me by helping people. Absolutely. I've helped people in Honduras stay alive. I've helped people in Guatemala get lights. I've helped child soldiers in West Africa and saying get support. Mm. I've helped people in St. Louis and Ferguson, LA and Compton and Sweden and Saudi Arabia. I just go help people. I'm not trying to measure how many people I help first. Just go help somebody. So who can we help, Dre? The people watching right here before we close out, who's the person watching right here that can, that we can put um, your, maybe your contact, we could definitely gonna put your contact information. Who watching can we help? And I, I know what I want to do here, for example, with the kids and Bean Acres and the different, it's 20 acres of just positivity, man. And I, Listen, when you get it set up, I'll come back and I'll teach. No, and I got no fees. You got kids that need help, I come through and I help. And I challenge the people who are watching, come volunteer and help. Absolutely. And the one thing I'll close with is what I do for a living is called impossible. 
And I tell people, for the record, I've done it multiple times. <laughs> so I do the impossible for a living. And the last impossible thing that I've done... <laughs> you run out of paper. Might be last one. <laughs> okay, go ahead. When they say, well, for all, all the, this is for the people who think that they cousin, they brother, they uncle, or whoever is better than Dre at the game. Oh, my uncle came home, he opened a school. The penitentiary that locked me up, the penitentiary that held me. When I told you I was in solitary confinement for, for two, two and a half years. years. Yes. Those people gave me a contract to come back and run the housing unit I used to live in. <laughs> come on, man. I now run the housing unit I used to live in in the same penitentiary. I went from a state ID as a prisoner to a state ID as a vendor. So. And that's what you call 360. I run prisons in three different states. Or 180. I go in and sit with my brothers and sisters in real time. I can walk into some prison systems and go to anybody in any prison and open any door and check on them. Wow. Say, oh, I got the biggest car, I got it better. No, I can go into a prison system that I work in, go to any cell and knock on any door and check on your loved one mm. in mm. real time. In real time. I've gone to places where dudes were buried in basements and the mother called me. I went to the prison, told the warden, I need to go see, I need to see him. Right. Let I me go down, see that man. How you doing? Bop, bop, bop. Call it your son. I. Right. He in the basement, but he I. <laughs> right, right, right. I bring, I mean, I'm going in. Again, I'm not trying to compete. I'm just trying to level up and raise the standard. Well, hey, you've done that, man. I'm happy to know you, bro. I really am. We're going to change it, man. It ain't prison to millions. What, we're going to do 21 trillion? <laughs> no, no, I can't call it. Listen, that's, that's. If you show this after May, yeah. you're going to have to change the tag. Right? Change the tag but on. as hard as it took me and the work it took me to get in that room, it was the same work it took me to get into a local nonprofit. Wow. The same effort I put in to get into Harvard, I put in to get to a local high school. The question is not, do you have the skill set, but where are you asking to get into? Mm. When I show up to these spaces, I'm the only guy asking to get in that look like me. They disqualify themselves. Makes sense. I got taught by a tutor when I was a kid. Don't say no for them. Don't say no. Don't say no for them. For them. Ask. Show up and ask. And most of my stuff I got not because I'm lucky I'm cool. I asked. Absolutely. Well, hey, ask and you shall receive. This man has definitely received. I appreciate it, man. You have no idea. Listen, it's a great day to change lives. You know, you already know this episode is really sponsored by Monetize Your Message. Your story belongs to you, but your message belongs to the world. And all I can tell you is... People like Andre Norman coming through is living proof that we know you have some tribulations, but turn those into celebrations. And if you need some help, holler at my brother and we'll be there. We'll be there.